welcome to Bloody Mary, a podcast about horror movies and what they mean to us. Uh, I am super excited tonight to have on the podcast, which we should have had them on like two years ago, but <laughs> the world threw curveballs. Uh, there was sound issues with the episode we recorded at their apartment under the Chicago L. Who uh, knew that wouldn't work? <laughs> Uh, and then the pandemic happened, so we kind of got lost uh, with time. But tonight we have Whitney Watson, and I'm so excited. They are the creator of Sober Rabbit, an awesome stand-up comedian. And I met them in Chicago, man, probably like five years ago now. Maybe no more than ago. that. Yeah, what Maybe. year is it? I don't really well, know. <laughs> it has no meaning anymore. <laughs> Whitney, welcome to Bloody Mary. Why don't you tell the people who you are and what you do? Thank you for having me, Kristen. Um, I am a stand-up comedian and artist. I was formerly, you know, out there shaking it up with stand-up and then the pandemic kind of reset everything. I'm still dealing with a, a new disability. And so now what I mostly do is draw comics. So I draw a weekly comic called Sober Rabbit and um, I've just shifted to art. That's kind of what I'm doing now. I love Sober Rabbit. Uh, for those of you in recovery or thinking about recovery, check it out. Uh, it's Brenda and Rabbit and all the characters are just like, I know them <laughs> <laughs> or I am them in some instances. Uh, so yeah, I'm very excited to have you back and we can rectify this wrong from uh, too long ago. Mm -hmm. So Whitney, what's your relationship to horror overall? I used to be a big time horror junkie. I was the type of person to like read every issue of Fangoria. I would read like fan theories about how movies were going to turn out, AOL chat rooms, Facebook horror groups, you know, mm -hmm. since I was a teenager, I was like big into them. But um, my parents told me when I was younger and I was trying to make them watch like the goriest shit ever, they were like, we don't need that in our adult life. And I just didn't understand. Like, I love the like contained horror of like, okay, I'm going to sit down and watch this and it's not real, but I'm going to like get all these feelings about it. And my parents were just like, no, thanks. Like, we don't want that. And now, you know, just turned 35. The world is horrific. I've had some nightmarish stuff happen. I am a little bit more careful about the horror movies that I consume. I kind of have to be in the mood for it. I have to know what kind of movie it is. You know, I don't want to see heads explode all the time, uh, which is a change for me. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. You know, I feel like watching the news the past two years has been traumatizing in its own right. So yeah. I totally relate to that. And like what I was thinking about as well is like watching things that are supposed to be satire and supposed to be funny, like don't look up. I just found absolutely exhausting. Like, yeah, yeah. I get it. That's what we're living in now. I'm good. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's terrifying. And, and now like that we're in the dystopia, it's actually just really boring to be <laughs> like, it's not, it's not like the road or something. It's just like, oh, I'm a little bit afraid and scared every day. It's not yeah. cinematic, you know? It's like waiting for something bad to happen. <laughs> yeah. Too much character development, not enough action. <laughs> I agree. Uh, so Whitney, what's the first horror movie you remember seeing? I'm fairly certain that when I was a very little kid, my parents had HBO and I Ooh. caught a huge chunk of alien um, well before I should have seen that movie. I have a very <laughs> distinct memory of turning on their giant 
sort of more like furniture TV, you know, it had like the speakers Mm -hmm. on the side. And I remember turning that on and being very, very frightened and seeing, I don't think it, I think I made it up that it was the chestburster scene, but I feel like it was something very scary with the alien. And I remember being like, (gasps) and being afraid of the TV, like as a, as a device and being like, I guess that realization of like, oh, this thing that I watched Sesame Street on is capable of horrors. <laughs> um, but but I also remember like, you know, watching um, watching scary stuff on Cinemax, like watching maybe Jalo type movies. And I feel like there was a lot more um, freedom and what was on maybe in the 90s in terms of um, TNT playing horror movies. And um, so yeah, like that scared the crap out of me. and. Um, I caught stuff on TV that was scary too, like my whole childhood. Oh yeah. That was like my parents deterrent to get me to go to sleep or go away. They would like put on jaws or something. (laughs) I would just be like, no, you know, good parenting. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) So for us to talk about Whitney has chosen an American werewolf in London, the 1981 film about Jack and David who decide they're going to go, um, I think it's like post, is it post-college or post-high school? I think it's post-college. Post-college, yeah. They're going to go travel Europe. They're in Wales. David and Jack are attacked by werewolves. Jack dies. David becomes a werewolf and chaos ensues. Um, you know, if you haven't seen this movie already, it's from 1981. Get on it. Come on. Uh, we do go full spoilers on Bloody Mary. So we'll be talking about everything that happens And yeah, so Whitney, why did you choose an American werewolf in London? Well, I feel like a lot of times people talk about um, horror as kind of like a trashy genre. They talk about it as something that's less than or below, you know, American cinema. Um, And I think that American Werewolf in London is a genuinely good movie. Um, I think that it has some schlock, it has some trash, um, it has some nudity, it has some violence, but I think that overall it's, it's psychologically a pretty scary movie and one that, in my opinion, holds up, either if you watched it as a kid and watch it now, or you haven't ever seen it. Um, I just think it's a solid movie overall. It's scary and funny, and I guess I also just overall really like the humor of it. I, I totally agree. I had that sense as well when I was rewatching it. I was like, this holds up, you know, it's mm-hmm. still scary in some parts because they don't show you the wolf all the time. You know, mm-hmm. it's that tension of waiting for something bad to happen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, I've always been drawn to um, horror, whether that's um, in, you know, novels or movies or even comic books um, that has to do with transformation. Um I feel like that's a scary, very like old world, ancient concept of either being afraid that you're turning into something, being afraid of someone that you love changing into something else. Um, And I think that it's also, you know, as someone in recovery who primarily writes and draws about that, um, I think it's a pretty easy (laughs) metaphor for addiction, Um, even if that's not alcoholism, but something that uh, stuck out to me on rewatching was that um, their drinking is kind of what propels them into this situation in the first place. It's like they do something that they know that they shouldn't and then it goes horribly wrong mm-hmm. um, so I think there's a lot of recovery themes in this as well that stick out to me now yeah definitely especially they're drinking at the slaughtered lamb which is just yeah. like <laughs> the end of innocence mm-hmm. and you know when they leave that pub the people tell them specifically stay on the road mm-hmm. 
And, and first off, like, where the hell were they going? It was before the time of smartphones. It was pitch blackout. They were in the middle of nowhere. They're, oh, we're just going to leave this pub and go walk yeah. around in the dark. Like, yeah, it's like the hubris of college guys to be like, well, we're hammered. And everyone said specifically not to do this. <laughs> we can do it. I also think it's funny that they took them to a different country as well. Like the story could have happened in entirely in America, but I think it's funny and and pointed that it's two American kids being assholes in this small peaceful place you know Mm -hmm. Um, they're doing what American backpackers always do which is uh you know dumb (laughs) stuff (laughs) I gotta say I was overseas uh last year and I just want to say anytime I experienced another American it it was a living hell (laughs) (laughs) you're like we're so dumb and bad why are we here And that's not to say I didn't have my ugly American moments as well, like pay toilets. I don't like wow. pay toilets. Uh, that. There was one moment when I was very much in need of a pay toilet and I couldn't mm. figure out the change. And mm. I had like three minutes before a tour bus was going to leave. Oh my God. <laughs> so I just ran up to the guy holding up two coins and I was like, which one is it? And he was like, oh, the one on the left. <laughs> Americans. <laughs> You're like the seventh American to have done that to him that day. (laughs) It is a dire situation. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I think that it had some commentary overall on um, identity. And, um, you know, I think it's very, like from the very beginning, they go to a place where they're not really welcome. They ignore the customs. They ignore the um, what's done and what isn't done. And they're instantly punished for it. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot to do with, um, I don't know, being honest about yourself. I feel like the movie overall has a lot of themes about accountability. Like there's characters that sort of ignore the rules or ignore um I don't know, ignore what's best for them and just sort of try something else. Cause like I was thinking about the nurse is kind of an interesting character. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. She sort of breaks patient caregiver boundaries and is punished for it instantly. You know? <laughs> yeah. That was some bold choices from nurse price, um, <laughs> which is also funny that she's named Alex price because there is Alex price in Indianapolis, who is a comedian Oh. oh yeah. I knew that name <laughs> stuck out to me. I also think it's um I, I don't know. I think it's interesting that um all of the characters, even though I because I feel like the nurse is kind of the weakest character. Um, and especially if you contrast that with like the woman does some dumb shit, you know, and the guys are sort of still savvy, like even the guys that are murdered are like funny and quippy, and she's just kind of like there's not an excuse for it. Um like you were saying, she doesn't really strike you as a fully developed character. Like she just exists to be in love with David and like kind of give David a place to stay in London. But there's a few things she said that made me laugh so hard. She was like bringing him home. And she said, I'm going to try to do her accent. She said, I find you very attractive and a little bit sad. <laughs> I totally forgot that. I think that there's like a a really clear thing too there about that guy, um, David, you know, has had this horrible thing happen to him. And I would think that there's an assumption that he was in some sort of very risky situation. And so for her, you know, I know that you and I have joked about this and we both sort of have this as a theme in our comedy for her to be like, of all the patients, that one. (laughs) (laughs) 
it, you know, I don't know if the, in the in the movie you could like make it a you know a pitch of like choosing what's worst for you is something that humans tend to do, or choosing the darker, the mysterious option, even in the face of all evidence saying it's a bad idea. Um, oh yeah, definitely. I always related to that like before I stopped drinking and like sorted all my shit out. Like Mm -hmm. I always dated people like that because I wanted to feel needed, you know, needed. I won't get dumped. And uh, I think, I think Alex Price could, uh, you know, do a little work on herself and maybe (laughs) realize why she's making that choice. Yeah. And I also, it's like, I'm not totally knocking her either because like, that's definitely something that I do as well. Because if you are involved with someone, whether they're like your friend or like a family member or something, and they're so totally a mess, that it makes you look great by comparison. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Also, I think that like, oh, go ahead. later on, she says, I'm torn between feeling sorry for you and finding you terribly attractive. <laughs> oh, no, nurse Price. No, we've all been there, girl. <laughs> yeah, I mean, takes him home. I mean, they, they move pretty quickly in their yes. relationship. Like they have sex the first afternoon right yeah it, and it's almost like not just that they're hooking up but it's almost like she is embarking on like a full-blown relationship like yeah. it didn't seem fly by night to me you know yeah I feel like that's one of the biggest themes that jumped out in the movie to me it was like don't rush into living together you know <laughs> <laughs> this is what could happen um but yeah I also think it's funny that um that when his friends um Jack is killed that Jack constantly even though being like a rotting corpse that just appears to him in visions Jack has some like pretty solid advice (laughs) that David just completely disregards (laughs) definitely and like looking at this film through the lens of recovery Mm -hmm. it, it does feel like you know Jack is trying to be this almost like a sponsor for him in a way like like Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think one of the things that makes it a compelling movie is that um, all of the characters are fairly nuanced, and they're all fairly intelligent, even if they make decisions that are bad, and that you, the audience member, like, know is bad. Like, I think it's a really interesting scene when um, the guy goes to Slaughtered Lamb to, like, see what's up, and, Mm -hmm. like, sort of appraise the situation. And I think in, um, in a lesser movie, that wouldn't have happened. Like, they would just completely move on from this scene where this thing occurred, which to me, you know, says something that there is an ongoing theme throughout the movie from beginning to end about accountability. You mm-hmm. like, if something bad happens, you probably should explore why it happened instead of just, you know, steamroll onto the next thing. Um, but I like that, you know, the villagers are trying to say, like, there's a clear reason why this happened. And if you just pay attention and David's like, no, nah, I'm fine. And then just like racks up this intense body count by ignoring oh. everyone, you know. That doesn't hit close to home at all. <laughs> no, I don't relate at all as a recovering addict. I couldn't, uh, couldn't. Nope, not me. Yeah. So I never I like tried that. that excuse though, but I was a werewolf. <laughs> Sometimes. Well, I will say whenever he wakes up um, in the zoo, I feel like that's just the clearest, like, this is an addiction metaphor. <laughs> Who among us hasn't woken up in a zoo in an animal enclosure being like, I remember nothing. <laughs> but naked. 
Yeah, I did relate to that so much. Like it also like really jumps on that theme of accountability at the Piccadilly Circus Theater where they're, you know, they're in the porno theater, but then all the people who have been affected by him are sitting in that theater with David. And, uh, you know, I remember that when I used to wake up after a night of drinking, like just being like, oh God, what did I do? Who do I have to call? Like, Mm -hmm. But I feel like even in that theater, David is still not willing to own it. No. And that's, and that's one of those sort of um, things that I like about the movie. I feel like the, how nasty all of the bodies are, like the fact that Jack decomposes throughout the movie, that Nurse Price looks worse, that all of the other victims are real. It's very like real how injured they are. It's, they do some gags of like how gross it is to be a rotten body and stuff but you know jack gives them some real talk of like you should kill yourself rather than hurt people more and david's sort of like nah like i'm good Uh um but i think that that's i think that that's um scary and funny but i also think that it's really relatable that idea of even though i'm hurting other people i have to do this i think is a is a pretty clear like recovery theme um and you know i think that the movie could have been slapstick throughout. Like all the dead people could have been funny. Like it's a surreal enough movie that there could have been a dance number or or some mm. like crazy break from reality, but instead they keep it pretty grounded. And, and for that reason, I think it's pretty scary and, and unsettling throughout, you know, so it just can't be. Yeah, it is. I love that the, the way the humor is used to kind of ground you in very tense moments. Like mm-hmm. I'm thinking specifically Uh, when Jack shows up in David's hospital room and he's mangled and dead, but he's like, can I have a piece of toast? Yeah. (laughs) Hey, I got to lay it out for you. And it's very jarring, but it's also very funny the way he's like talking about his funeral and uh, you know, what happened to his love interest after the funeral. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I really feel like the movie is as funny as it is scary. And I think that, you know, like you said, they do a very good job of um, sort of like uh, whittling it down to like, okay, what's going to happen to this character because he's running out of options. And they also do a good balance of not, um, not so clearly revealing the monster. Like, I think the fact that they spent all of that money and special effects um time and effort and all of that on the transformation scene more than the him killing people scene really goes to show like the stuff that they're trying to reveal here which is it's terrifying to lose yourself you know it's terrifying to have no accountability to not care about other people to find yourself unrecognizable and i would put the transformation scene in this movie up against a lot of modern cgi in terms of how horrible it is to behold (laughs) Uh it's nasty i love that and yeah, it's like, oh my gosh, now, what, 40 years old, mm-hmm. which also makes me feel old, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it definitely still stands up. Like, I, I also love that it has kind of like that late seventies feel to it. Like mm-hmm. the, the sex scene, you know, um, mm-hmm. they kissed that belly button for so long. Like <laughs> <laughs> 
have some, like, uh, my husband is also, you know, he's a film podcast guy, and there's been a big resurgence in Jallo-type movies, and I feel that um, there's a couple of elements in this movie that do sort of break its form a little bit. I feel like the Inspector character could be from, like, an Argento movie. I feel like there's a big throwback element to him, because, like, if you look at all the other horror movies from the 70s, um, I mean, especially, like, non-American movies, there's often, like, a wise stoic inspector type character that is investigating as you know things are going on and it just that part felt just like very like smarter than American horror <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah their films have daddies in them yes they do <laughs> the little wis- little twisted mustaches I also really like um and feel like it's um what elevates the movie too is that um all of those dream sequences um mm-hmm where he's you know running naked (laughs) in the woods and it's um that could have that time could have been spent doing something else but I think they do it for a reason you know in the same way that they do some conventions of older movies to kind of bring some gravitas to a silly movie you know what could have just been a silly movie and I like that I like the variety in it throughout I do too and I'm glad you brought up the dream sequences especially that one where David is in the woods and he sees himself in the bed. Oh, yeah. I feel like it was just such a good portrayal of like how addiction makes you feel outside yourself. Yeah. And I I thought it was so brilliantly done. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that, that the time could have been spent on something else, but instead it really punches hard in the psychological, you know, you are the monster kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. which frankly for me, you know, I think that even if I wasn't someone who, you know, had this history of addiction, that stuff is spooky. Like any horror movie scenes where the character looks in the mirror and they see themselves as they truly are, like that's some deep human scary shit, you know? That is. Oh, I brought up the shower scene as well, because I guess in order to film that scene, they had to build their own shower because no shower in London was big enough, which (laughs) after spending a week in London and my partner is like six foot four. Yeah, like (laughs) just not for him. (laughs) Showers are so tiny. I had I'm only like five, seven and I had to crouch in one. That's so funny. And it just goes to show like Americans should not be here. <laughs> like we're just trying <laughs> and rule breaking. <laughs> you can't even fit in your showers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another interesting thing I learned about this movie is that they wanted to use the moon shadow song by Cat Stevens as like the theme song. Mm-hmm. But they ran it by Cat Stevens and he's like, no way, man. He believes <laughs> in werewolves. And he was like, he was convinced that was going to get him cursed. <laughs> If I was angled slightly, you would see all of my Cat Stevens records behind me. Oh. Kyle, Kyle and I were just talking about like what an interesting person Cat Stevens slash Yusuf Islam is. But that's hilarious that he was like, no, nah, that's too spooky and real for me. I don't want to be cursed. <laughs> you know, given that you're a fan, does he have any like other songs about supernatural things or I'm not too familiar with him. Oh man, he has a bunch of songs that are more like fragments that are like of a bigger piece. He's such a spiritual dude. Um, I don't know a whole lot about um, about his life, but I feel like because of the spiritual side of him, a lot of his music would be really great in horror movies, which I guess he would like never approve of that. But yeah, too spooky, cool. man. Too spooky. Yeah. <laughs> too spooky. <laughs> I do know that this was like an old, I remember reading a while back, this was like an old script that 
um, initially wasn't going to be produced and then um, was resurrected as a slightly different story. Do you remember? Yeah, I sat on it for 10 years and I'm not sure why. Um, You know, it could just be because, frankly, like people don't like horror as much as they should. Critics are always really brutal. Yeah, I remember reading something, too, that they felt that this was um, too violent for a comedy or a little bit too funny to be like a horror movie. And I think that it's funny that that's the criticism because I think that's what makes it good. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. Ho- horror comedy is always like totally underrated. And honestly, it's not done very often, but it's one of my favorite genres. Mm-hmm. Gets a bum rap. Yeah, there could be more. Yeah. I feel like it's a really fun way to explore dark topics with bringing a little bit of humor in and making it feel real and more human, you know, even though we're talking about werewolves, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, this movie, like, I, I think that it's, um, it has some weaknesses, you know, I think that for all of the strengths, there are things that, that don't hit. Um, but I think that, um, it takes a lot of risks and it's, it's, at the core, like a pretty human story, you know, I would be surprised if anybody said that they watched this movie and hated it. I don't know if maybe they tear it up on Letterboxd, who knows, but <laughs> I just think it has a lot of, um, I don't know, relatable stuff, right? Are yeah. we just monsters? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, both, but <laughs> you know what is so funny before you suggested this film, I, I was kind of like, I don't know, because like werewolves, you know, I like vampires. They're sexy and like <laughs> like home invasions. That's scary. <laughs> Yikes. Werewolves. I know. Right. Like <laughs> werewolves always like kind of struck me as like meh. Like I didn't think yeah. about werewolves in the mm-hmm. horror universe as deeply as I should have, you know, mm-hmm. and I think this is the first werewolf movie I've had on. Um, and perhaps it was just more about not wanting to do that self-reflection. <laughs> Uh-oh. Werewolves are scary. <laughs> so one of the themes that like jumped out, just like the corner of my eye, I caught it at the Piccadilly Circus scene, is that they're in a movie called uh, See You Next Wednesday. And I was like, that, that's like the name of the porno. And I was like, originally like, why isn't it called see you next Tuesday? The obvious choice, you know, it Mm -hmm. just seems so weird. So I Googled it and like John Landis has this title in like almost all of his movies. It's like a fake movie that he put Mm -hmm. together. It's in the blues brothers, um, Kentucky fried movie, I think. Mm. And it's the last line of a space odyssey. Oh, so it's like some deep film nerd joke. Yeah, which like <laughs> I was just looking for the see you next Tuesday joke. Like, why is it that? But yeah, yeah apparently it's a, a deeper meaning. Oh, know. look at that. That's interesting. Who knew? Yeah. And he's even and, and like in each movie, see you next Wednesday appears as a different movie. So it's not always the same movie. It's like different genres which I thought was really interesting. And I would love to do something like that if I ever, you know, made art. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love stuff like that. And I like, I like John Landis. Like, I think that his um, range of movies is really interesting too. Like he seems like a smart guy who has a variety of interests, you know? 
because um, I think that, I don't know, maybe this is going out too much on a limb, but I think that a lot of horror movies, and especially now from like the, um, our contemporary view on like why directors make movies, um, a lot of them do it to torture women, it seems like. <laughs> Whereas I feel like uh, the movies that he makes have a lot of um, tenderness in them or a lot of at least trying to make a connection or trying to understand people better. So I think this movie is emblematic of that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It was I felt like it was all about a community trying to pull someone in mm-hmm. and make them accountable and also safe. Yeah. Um, so aside from, you know, like, you know, don't bring strange dudes home with you and the addiction <laughs> and accountability piece, were there any other themes that jumped out at you? Um, you know, I think that there's a lot of interesting stuff in there about, um, and this is this is this is rough, but I think that um, the fact that Jack is telling him to uh, kill himself, he tells David to kill himself, and there's a lot of time given to like, ah, like how can I do it? Um, I think that there's a lot of stuff about mortality in this movie, and um, even injury and sickness and death. That's kind of interesting. Um, you know, like I said, like they made that choice to make Jack just like look worse and worse and worse and worse as the movie goes on. And they didn't have to go that hard. So I think that there's stuff about um, aging and death that's interesting because um, it is older, wiser people trying to tell David from the beginning, um, you know, do the right thing. Like, don't don't be an idiot, basically. Um, and I, I think all of that's interesting. I think the scene where they're all sort of, they all kind of joke about how he could kill himself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's interesting. And I think that that's a little bit of a different flavor than just talking about addiction of not just being accountable, but like, if you do something terrible, you know, how can you live with yourself? Um, and I think that that's an interesting thing that often a lot of movies gloss over. The character does something unforgivable and the movie is just set up as like, and then this happens, you know, you think about movies like Hereditary and other movies where guilt is a huge motivating factor in what the characters do. But I feel like the weakness of those movies is that they don't really explore it. Instead, it just sort of becomes a device or a motif for the movie. And in this, I think there's a big theme of, um, you know, how can you live if you've done something terrible? And I think that's a scarier, deeper question than just how can you be accountable when you've done something bad? Oh, yeah, that's a great point. And the characters like showing up all mangled as that physical representation of like, hey, you did this to me. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we can see physically how David feels from this. I love that one couple in the movie theater that are just like (laughs) so happy to be there for some reason. (laughs) They're like, you could use a gun, you could use a gun. Yeah, I think there's like, I think there's stuff too about, um, I think there's more nuanced stuff about identity. I'm not Jewish. So, you know, I don't like have a whole lot to say about that. But I think that um, there is some theme of concealing who you really are, um, concealing who you are versus who you want to be. That's interesting. Um, Because like all that scene is funny, you know, where all those people are like, you could just do this or you could do that. But um, hiding, you know, hiding yourself or hiding from yourself, I think is an interesting theme too. Because really David just keeps running and running and running from the problems until, you know, spoiler, he can't run anymore at the end of the movie. And that was compelling to me too. You know, I relate to that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, it was excellent. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Yeah. Oh, what were your favorite parts? Um, I honestly love all the stuff with Jack. Um, 
I think the porn theater is really funny because it's just such an inspired choice that where he confers with all these dead people is in this place where people go to feel alive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> great choice, John Landis. Um, I really love that. Um, I think the beginning of the movie is very scary. Um, and of course, I think the transformation scene is what makes the movie. Um, and I think that uh, modern movies wish that they could do that. Um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, in that same breath, I think my favorite scene was the subway chase scene where like, we don't even really see um, mm-hmm. David as the wolf. We just see someone getting stalked through the subway. Yeah. And that felt so scary. And I feel like a lot of newer movies, like I feel like there's, I don't know if it's Mimic or something. I feel like a couple of movies just wholesale rip that scene off. Oh, where, really? Yeah, where it's the view, you're sort of in the perspective of the monster or you're in the perspective of the person that's being chased. Um, but yeah, that was scary. It's really, really scary. Especially if you're someone who takes public transit all the time. <laughs> like, I, do, I don't not think about that scene when I'm at North and Climber, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that is very similar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, any final thoughts on American Werewolf in London? Um, I don't know. I think I think a lot more movies um, could benefit from doing what this movie does, which to me is a great blend of all the things that are horrible to be a human of, you know, injury and transformation, um, not recognizing who you've become. Um, and I also think that the levity of the movie makes it uh, very worthwhile. So I just I wish that people would attempt horror comedy without it being outright slapstick. Um, yeah. I can think of a couple of movies that I think have the blend of that. There's a there's a good um, uh, a foreign film called Good Manners. That's a werewolf movie that I highly recommend. Um, I don't even want to say really what happens because it's it's kind of a bait and switch movie. Um, so don't read the logline, just watch the movie Good Manners. Um, but, uh, you know, I think Shaun of the Dead accomplishes the tone of this. Of It's genuinely scary and the stakes are really high. But other than that, I haven't seen a lot of very new horror movies that to me strike that great balance of, you know, deeply scary and also like very funny. Have you seen anything that sort of hits that same note? I think it's hard to do. It is really hard to do. And there are films that have their moments, you know, where something is very darkly humorous, but it's usually just like that one moment, you know, it's not um, a theme throughout the whole film. I did find your next, I think kind of had it with just Hmm. like the sense of class warfare, warfare that it really embraced, you know, (laughs) I haven't seen that one. I'll have to check it out. I also like the uh, and like like sillier but I like the the haunt did you see that one about the haunted house yeah actually I just I released an, the previous episode was on that and oh, I snap. love that movie so much I gotta go I gotta go listen because I only recently watched that movie and I thought I thought that was really good like for what it is um yeah no I don't know I think this movie's great and if if um people don't like it I would be curious to know why yeah okay fantastic um so what are you currently working on and where can people find out about it? Yeah, I'm currently working on um, a couple of long form comics. I'm working on a circus comic that will be exclusive to Patreon. That's called Sawdust. Ooh, and I'm a member. 
Yeah, you're going to get to read it. There's only about 10 pages out now, but um, it's going to get crazy. If you like violence and scary stuff, um, yeah, Sawdust is going to be great. Uh, my main venture is still Sober Rabbit. It's published on Instagram Wednesday through Friday. And if you're a Patreon member, you get one extra comic. I'm about to hit a goal with Patreon of having 50. So nice. once I hit 50 patrons, I will have two Sober Rabbit comics a week, which is exciting because then they will be Monday through Friday. Um, so you can find all of that at my website, soberrabbit.com. And if you want to fight about movies, I'm sober furious on Twitter. That's where we can have our letterboxed arguments. <laughs> I really want to push you to check out Sober Rabbit and join the Patreon because you put such nice things in the mail. Like it's so cool to get presents from you. Uh, I think I got the, um, the pins were super cool. The <laughs> fun the cards you draw I love it uh, I believe I'm a big bunny is that the level I'm at you are yeah you're way up there you're high tier very impressive thank you <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying everyone else should be a big bunny too because you <laughs> like cool stuff from Whitney in the mail and who doesn't love that <laughs> cool okay well be sure to check out Sober Rabbit rewatch an American Werewolf in London um, Whitney it's been an absolute pleasure having you thank you for doing Bloody Mary and uh, I'll see you next Wednesday oh nailed oh, it thanks. thanks Kristen it was so fun <laughs> yeah oh my god what if I wasn't recording now like <laughs> we'll do it a fourth time <laughs>